I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. Today's guest is Jessica Sue. Jessica co-authored The Effect of Recommendations on Network Structure while at Twitter, and is currently a PhD student in computer science at Stanford University. We talked about doing research in the industry and academia, the state of recommendation systems and their implications, and also about careers and technical interviews. I hope you like this episode. Welcome to the Women in Tech show, Jessica. It's great to have you here today. Thanks, it's great to be here. So I want to start off by talking about your most recent work. You co-wrote this paper called The Effect of Recommendations on Network Structure. Oh, this yeah. was while well, you were an intern at Twitter. Mm -hmm. And this work is closely related to your research. So I want, want to know, what was the idea behind this research? What were you trying to accomplish? So I guess we just wanted to like find out more about the world. This was more of like a social science project than a I'm going to build something and make it better project. So basically what we wanted to do was we wanted to see what the effect of recommendation systems were on basically life, right? Like mm -hmm. take like Yelp or Amazon. We usually know what the effects of these recommendations are on like local things, right? Like we know yes. that Yelp will give you better restaurants and they will give the restaurants more money and stuff but we don't really know what the global effect is on like the overall economy so similarly with twitter we were trying to find the effect on well i guess the relationship economy we wanted to see when the who to follow system was introduced we wanted to see exactly who was being followed and what it was doing to the relationships between people mm-hmm And related to this, you mentioned the phenomenon of the rich get richer. Mm -hmm. um, can yeah. you briefly explain just for those who are not familiar what this is in the context of network structures? Yeah, so basically what happened was we discovered that when the who to follow system at Twitter was introduced, most of the new follows were just people following people who are already very popular. Mm -hmm. Do you think this can be stopped or diminished to, to make a balance of recommending also non-popular people? Yeah, I mean, you could do that. It might decrease how much people like Twitter, though. So... One of the findings we found was that the follow-through rate, which is the rate at which people click follow, is actually mm -hmm. a lot higher, like four times higher for the most popular users. So it might not be like a financially sensible thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. It does make the system a little unfair, I guess, but... Yeah, it does. Yeah. Hmm. And what made you interested in studying this, researching recommendation systems, is it because of the types of recommendations you were seeing in your own social networks? I guess what happened was, um, so I guess one, one time my advisor like sent me an email, he forwarded me an email from like a guy saying he was looking for interns at Twitter and I was like, oh, I want something to do for the summer. 
So I replied to that email and I got the internship and then they just assigned me that project. Mm, I see. And speaking about internships, this, this internship was very successful and eventually you got an offer. The internship got extended. Yeah. However, while you were in college, I read this post you wrote on Quora saying that you didn't pass six programming interviews at top tech companies. Why do you think that happened? Yeah, so I guess this was like, I'd been a computer science major for like six months at that point. So I guess I just didn't have a lot of experience, but now I have more experience. Oh, I see. And does this have anything to do also with the technical interview process? Do you think it's broken in some aspect? Ah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Not really. I don't... Like I don't really see anything wrong with it. I've heard other people think it's broken. But. Yes, yes, a lot of people think it's broken because they, they um, might not focus as much on your GitHub or some side projects or your actual coding skills. It's more of a algorithm on the whiteboard type of questions. Yeah, it certainly favors like certain types of people, like people who do programming contests or people who have been teaching assistants in algorithms classes three times like I have, so. So how do you think this process can be improved, the technical interviews? Uh, that's a really good question. I guess it depends on what is the goal of the process. Like, mm -hmm. I think for most companies, they just want to get, <clears throat> they just want to get people who can do the job and I think the job is being done pretty well in general. Maybe I'm wrong. Is it the same for when you interviewed as an undergrad versus a PhD? Was it basically the same process? Yeah, it was, it was similar. What, what do you think was one significant thing that you improved on that helped you get accepted in later interviews? So one thing, I guess, was... So I guess when I applied to Twitter, I had just come back from an internship at Microsoft Research, and oh, nice. I really enjoyed my project there, and I had a lot to talk about. Oh, okay, I see. And I'd also done like more CS stuff like during my PhD. Like when I applied in undergrad, like most of my experience was in biology. So mm -hmm. I see. And since you you've witnessed both the research process at Twitter in the industry and at Stanford, which is academia. How, how is doing research in the industry different at Stanford? Is it different at all? Yeah, so first of all, at tech companies like Twitter and Microsoft Research, there's just a lot more resources. You'll have a lot more data. You'll have a lot more computing power. And actually, when I went to the WWW conference where I presented this paper, it seemed like a sizable fraction of the people were from tech companies. And it's just that you almost need this large scale of data to do good research, although there are some people who don't, and they're very clever about it. So, What was, what was that conference that you mentioned? The International World Wide Web Conference. Oh, okay. And before, it used to be mostly people in academia, like universities. Well, I guess there are a lot of industry people, though. Oh, uh, okay. 
And um, also in corporate research, were there are there any program managers involved, or how does that work? So what happened at both Twitter and Microsoft was I was assigned to like a host, and they like basically helped me, and they managed the project. But like at Twitter, actually, my advisor was my PhD advisor was also involved, so they kind of like managed me half and half. Okay, so the host and the in the industry is basically the equivalent of an advisor. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So some some listeners may be curious about getting involved in higher academia, but they've already graduated from school and they've already entered the industry. Mm-hmm. Can someone get into a PhD in computer science late in the game, like not right after undergrad? Yeah, I think people do this. It might be harder because maybe your professors have forgotten about you, but like oh, okay. So so one big aspect is professors. Yeah, you need to get a letter. You need to get three letters of recommendation. So oh, okay, I see. But like, I think the advice I usually give to people if they want to do a PhD after a while is to first do a master's degree because then you can like build connections with people. I see. Yeah, that that's a great way. And to also get some research experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you think is the risk of going all in on a PhD? I've I've heard stories of people who pursue a PhD and halfway through the research or even the moment they graduate, they're like, I don't want to have to do anything with... <laughs> I don't know, compilers or whatever they, their focus is. Is there a risk of going all in on PhD? Well, I guess ultimately you can like quit anytime you want, but you might feel bad about it. So that's a good point, yeah. And especially in computer science, you have like a lot of exit options. There are always like career fairs. Uh, a lot of yeah. people will want to poach you. And it wouldn't matter if you just with the PhD, I guess, because you would have gained some other experience while you were studying. Yeah. Mm, okay. So recently, there was this talk with uh, James Whitaker, and he mentions mm-hmm. this concept of a job that chooses you versus a job that you choose. Your your internship at Twitter looks very related to your research, so I'm so I'm wondering. What advice would you give our listeners on how to choose a job or an internship versus ending up in a job that chose you? Do, do you ask more detailed questions in the process? Do you research about the team? Or is there anything in particular well, that you keep in mind when, when looking for, for experience outside of school? Huh. Well, I guess Twitter was my only offer, but it was also my top choice, so... Mm-hmm. What I about the Microsoft Research? I guess with Microsoft Research... You were research, at Microsoft Research before? Yeah. Yes. It was between that and Yelp, and the Microsoft Research person, like, I already knew the host beforehand, and she was really nice. Oh, okay. So you had talked about the project in depth, basically. 
Well, not... Or, or it was more that you knew the person and it wasn't related to the actual research? Yeah, I knew the person from a different project. And then one day she just told me that she was looking for interns and she took me into a room and we, like, talked for a while. And then she, like, hired me. Oh, okay. So, That's pretty Yeah, cool. it wasn't really an interview. It was more about speaking about your interests. And... Yeah, like previous research that I've done mostly. A lot of these research internships are about previous research. Mm. Versus reverse the link list yeah. or something. Oh, okay, that's that's very interesting. Like with my Twitter and... interview, it was kind of half a half and half. There were like some technical questions, but there was also some asking about like research experience. So mm, okay. Recently, I um, also read in, in Quora, you mentioned that even though you're in a PhD, you hang out more with your friends that are already working in the industry. Yeah. How, how does that contrast with what you get to work on because you're in grad school? Like, do you see any differences on what they're working on in the industry versus what you did? or? Well... I guess they can't really talk that much about their work in general. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah, because of NDAs and stuff. Yeah. Mm, I see. Do you think that um, social media had an effect on your career? For example, right now on Quora, you have over 37,000 followers. Has that had any impact on your career? Has it made you want to research it more or or something else? I think it's helped me in that it's made me a generally more confident person, mm -hmm. which has been helpful both in like my career and my social life. So at the beginning, when you were on Quora, you weren't very confident, but yet you were just posting answers and... Yeah. Posting advice, or was it mostly you were asking questions? Well, I think I mostly posted answers, and the questions I would, like, more ask anonymously. But now they ban me from asking questions anonymously, so... Why is that? Oh, I asked something really dumb. I probably shouldn't say what uh -oh. it was, but... No, it doesn't matter. Okay, I was just curious why. Do you know if there, um, since you mentioned posting about anonymous, if there has been anybody that has being able to determine, to map an identity to an answer or to a question even on Quora? You mean anybody in general or? Yeah, like somebody, like what happened with uh, Netflix, that somebody in academia was able to de-anonymize. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. paper, so. There has, has there been anything like that on Quora that you know of? Not that I know of. Um, there was an interesting paper where... They kind of like de-anonymized posts on Blogger. So what happened was mm -hmm. they actually like took people's blog posts and they like cut them in half. And then they tried to predict like they took the first halves and they attached them to real names. And the second halves were all anonymous. And they try to like match the second half with the first half. And they're actually pretty oh, successful. Wow. So. Oh, wow. I didn't know about this one. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, your research, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the focus of your research. It's been a lot related to social media, networking, 
and systems like Twitter or Facebook or Spotify, to me, they, they look more like playgrounds. Like it doesn't have such a big effect in our lives. Mm-hmm. For example, if, if I don't get in the Twitter recommendation, like it doesn't really affect me. I'm just less popular. But what do you think happens when we start seeing recommendation systems <coughs> in even in more serious environments? One thing that comes to mind is recommendation systems that that tell you when to hire or fire someone or when someone will get promoted or or even systems that recommend who should have children. Oh yeah, they already have systems that like tell people whether criminals are likely to reoffend and apparently they don't work very well but people use them. Oh. Who uses them, do you know? Police. Oh, so kind of like Minority Report or something. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, and... <laughs> yeah. They also have machine learning that can tell you when people are going to, like, default on their credit cards. And people, mm. people already use it a lot. And it's kind of scary, but also kind of fair in a way. But we, you, it would seem even scary, like you said, if the, the rich get richer thing happens in this. Yeah type of system like you commit a crime or something and then and then know, people already you'll yeah. never you'll never be popular or whatever but in this sense it would be you will always be labeled i don't know yeah i guess humans would do this anyway but computers just help them do it faster and more efficiently and more precisely mm-hmm. do you think we're still gonna need a human involved in in more impactful systems like this Human judgment? Yeah, it's always good that, like, the programmers kind of have some understanding of the domain. Like, do you remember the case where Microsoft released their chatbot and she started saying stuff about Hitler on Twitter? I do remember that, yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, if they had, had like, a Twitter expert come in or something, they would instantly say, oh, no, don't do this. <laughs> so I want to begin uh, to, to close mm-hmm. off on what we've discussed and regarding your future do you have a set of long-term goals you want to accomplish not really like is this a practice okay so you don't really yeah I guess I just want to like graduate and get a job and I don't know Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I understand and when you're in a studying a PhD you read a lot of research papers right I guess so so one, once you graduate from your PhD, how do you see yourself staying up to date with what's happening? Would you be reading research papers or is there anything in particular that you think of? Well, I guess usually I would just like read the news or read what goes on on my Facebook feed or read what my friends show me. That's also what I do. Well, Jessica... I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today. It was great talking to yeah. you. Nice meeting you. Thanks for listening to the show. If you have any feedback, send me a tweet at Tech Women Show or email me at the Women in Tech Show at Gmail. Tune in next week for another episode. Special thanks to Jeff Byerson from Software Engineering Daily 
for the original music and for supporting the show.